0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry over there. And uh, now whatever chipperness you might hear in my voice can decline from here <laughs> on out.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. This this is another one of those that's a uh, tough topic. Hmm. It's not going to be loaded with jokes.
1: No. I can't, I couldn't, I can't think of a single one. And any time, like, I started to be like, oh, maybe we should come up with jokes. No.
0: It's not like we do that anyway. Uh, right. Like, this would be a good place for a joke. Right. Let me get insert, our writers on it. Insert <laughs> joke here
1: in brackets.
0: Yes, obviously, uh, I mean, if you saw the title about rape kits, uh-huh. uh, hopefully that is the trigger warning you need, but we might as well just say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, trigger point. warning for this one. That's all we
1: need to say, I think, right? We're pretty much. I mean, yeah. we're talking about rape, um, sexual assault in general. And specifically I wanna say, Chuck, I, I've had on the list for a really long time rape as a topic itself. Sure. I think yeah, it yeah. definitely deserves it. Um, but it's I've just been kind of walking past it every time I go down the list, you know? Right. Uh, I think it's due, especially after this one. Yeah, But it's almost like we needed to do this one first or else it wouldn't be stuff you should know. Right. If we didn't do something tangential with a bigger topic. Sure. (laughs) So Uh, we'll we'll do that eventually.
0: Yeah. And also this comes out, um, this -hmm. is one of those happenstance things. As I was researching and reading this stuff, I was like, oh, you know what? We should check and see when uh, Sexual Assault Awareness Month is. Mm -hmm. And it turned out it's April. Mm Mm-hmm. And it turned out that April 2nd, the day that this drops, uh, is Day of Action. So they encourage people to wear teal on April 2nd, which is today. I'm almost. And you're wearing teal today. I'm
1: wearing, well, it's mint green, but it's awfully close to teal. Yeah, it's weird how this is all coming together like this. So, um, you know what Action Day should be for Sexual Assault Awareness Month? What? It should be like a purge. Like, like the, the, purge. Movie, the Purge. yeah, that's what it should be. <laughs> I haven't like. seen
0: the movie, but I, I get I, it. Yeah, I,
1: I haven't either, <laughs> but I know the premise.
0: Uh, and that, um, sexual assault awareness month is carried out by uh nsvrc.org, the natural uh national sexual violence resource center. Huh. Uh, and I, also, I know that we're doing a lot of uh precursoring here, okay, but there is one section here on what to do mm-hmm. if you've been sexually assaulted. Um, two dudes, yeah, ex- explaining this, like just do this. Like, we're not taking it that lightly, you know? Right. Like, it, we know that it is extremely difficult to do anything, uh, much less, like, follow all the exact steps. Uh, so many sexual assaults and rapes get unreported for a thousand reasons. Mm-hmm. So we're not taking this lightly. Uh, but this is our job. This is what we do. And this is an important topic. So sure. please excuse two dudes uh, explaining a section on what to do when you're sexually assaulted.
1: But I think that also raises another point that I want to touch on too, Chuck. Sexual assault doesn't just happen to women. Sure. It happens to men. Yeah. The trans community is also a big target for mm-hmm. sexual assault, unfortunately. So while it is largely women, yeah. from what I've seen, women between 18 and 35, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it hits all demographics and, and targets for sure. um, across, the, across the spectrum. Of human beings. right, Including men. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to say that as well. All right. Now on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Should we do the history part first, I think? I was thinking so. Yeah. Well, I think we should say what a rape kit actually is. Oh, that, that's something we always do wrong. <laughs> but we're doing it right, though. We're, we've hit everything right so far, I think. Um, I think. Uh a rape kit, and I'm so sorry, everybody, f- to keep saying rape kit. You, they're also called sexual assault evidence collection kits. Mm-hmm. You can understand why people call them rape kits. Yeah. But from here on out, maybe we'll just try to say kit. Sure. Um, they they are really simply a box. I saw shoebox size. Ed says microwave oven size. Just depends on the oven. It's a big old box. <laughs> yeah. Um, and inside this box is a all the stuff you need to collect the evidence of a sexual assault.
0: Yeah, that a professional uses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is oh, not like a home thing.
1: No, but it does include such thorough step-by-step directions that uh, someone who's not specifically trained to do this right. can can um can, can 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 carry out this kind of um examination. I wonder if anyone
0: does this. Like can you buy these and perform this at home if sure. you're too a thousand reasons why you wouldn't go into a hospital.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that um you you can you can buy them from medical supply or law enforcement supply mm-hmm. places. Both of them sell kits and they're actually relatively cheap. I saw between five, fifteen, twenty five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, you totally could. They is it still evidence it though? Probably not. Yeah, the defense would just shoot holes in it all day long, and the jury would be like, "I'm right. sorry,"
0: which they're already looking to do.
1: Part of the part of the process of of collecting this evidence and, and combining it all together to create this this kit is uh, it begins a chain of custody. Yeah, and if you do it at home and then bring it in, they're going to be like, "Come on,"
0: right? And there are a lot of problems with the chain of custody that we're obviously going to cover as well mm-hmm. when you leave it to the uh, professionals. Right. It's just a big mess. But uh it, it is a big mess. But
1: yeah. but it's still more often than not it seems to be um it seems to have been a good invention. Sure. And that that is a thing. It is an invention. Um and it wasn't always around. It's actually a relatively new invention. It wasn't until I think 1978. That the first ones actually came into official use by the, uh, I believe, the police department in Chicago and then later on Illinois, which served as a bit of a laboratory for it. Mm -hmm. And it was so successful that within another year, it started to spread around the country.
0: Yeah, and just, I mean, it sounds like, it's hard to believe, but just collecting uh, and having the tools in a box and collecting the evidence and Mm -hmm. putting it in a box Mm -hmm. for storage, just that alone coming around went a long way toward um, helping victims uh, be taken seriously.
1: Yeah, legitimizing rape and sexual assault.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's sad, but that's that's the case. Um, when they were first brought out, uh, they were called Vitulo kits in a lot of circles, V-I-T-U-L-L-O, uh, and Louie or Louis, I never know.
1: I'm thinking since he's in Chicago, Louis, Louis oh, Vitullo. Really?
0: I thought you were going to say Louis. Because Chicago.
1: I think it'd be IE if it were in Chicago Louie.
0: All right. Well, we'll go with Lewis. Let's just call him Chicago Lou. Chicago Lou Vitulo. Now he sounds like a mobster. Yeah. Chicago Lou Vitulo.
1: I think the Vitulo is really not helping.
0: No, but he was not a mobster. He was actually uh, worked in the Chicago PD's forensic crime lab. He was a um, sergeant and lieutenant who... Uh, did not invent the rape kit, but he was um, charged with sort of codifying it and putting his stamp because he was one of the first people in law enforcement mm-hmm. that was trying to create a standardized procedure.
1: Yeah, he was already a very well-respected forensic investigator. Yeah. And so for him to say, hey— I'm a big city forensic investigator, widely respected, and this thing is the bomb. Yeah, this is a great invention. We should all start using it, and here's how. It really helped spread uh, and give it a boost early on. But even though they were called Vitulo kits, um, there's there. It's, it's not to say like he was like, yeah, I invented this. Call them Vitulo no, kits. not at all. I think he was just um, uh, known in the mind of other law enforcement agents. Mm-hmm that, like, they associated him in in these kits. Um, So that's what everybody else called it. But really, if you want to nail down an inventor of the rape kit, it was a woman named um, Martha Marty uh, Goddard.
0: Yeah, Goddard. And Petula, I read some interviews with Mm. his grandkids, and it's like a really proud legacy. They still get letters from people and from women. Um, Goddard, she has unplugged. Like, uh, I saw one interview with her where they talked about, and we're going to cover this heavily later, but the um, the Kit backlog, um, she didn't even know about it because she's like, no TV, no internet, no newspapers. Huh. She really just sort of checked out. Right. And she was like, that's really sad to hear about that.
1: It is very sad. So I saw a quote somewhere that um, I think is – Vitulo's grandkids said that that he would be spinning in his grave if he knew about this backlog, which we'll get to later.
0: Um, So Goddard was uh, a survivor of sexual assault, and she got together with some other uh, victims, basically. The writing was on the wall, like, that, you know, things weren't being taken seriously in many police departments. Yeah,
1: she saw firsthand that yeah. like that that they weren't collecting evidence correctly, that they weren't they weren't taking it seriously, which is still a huge problem. Right. Um, and she she decided to do something about it. Well, the first questions, and still in
0: a lot of areas, probably the first questions still are like, "Well, what was the situation? What were and, you wearing?" And if it starts with, "Well, I met a guy at a bar," then you're sort of discounted, like right. out of the gate. Yeah. Um. Very very sad and very unfair. But yeah. uh, she formed a group called Citizens for Victims Assistance. Uh, In the 1970s and went to work, like she said she was doing 16-hour days, um, visiting hospitals, talking to cops, going to police stations, lawyers, judges, basically learning and working on everyone she could about how to get a better system going. Right. But she needed money. And she got that from, of all places, the Playboy Foundation.
1: Yeah, Hugh Hefner's foundation. His daughter, Christy, was friends with Marty Goddard. And um, I think Playboy gave her 10 grand, which is equal to about 42 grand in today's money. Yeah, and that was enough to go start assembling these kits, because one of the um, points from the outset of these these kits was that they' be inexpensive. Because hospi- they did, They wanted to remove as many barriers as possible for hospitals to start implementing yeah, these smart. things widely. Mm-hmm. And one one really easy way to do it was to say, here, these are virtually free. Or in some cases, these are free because this community group raised a bunch of money to purchase the implements of these kits. Put them all together, and now here, you you just use them. That's all.
0: Which is a success story in and of itself when you know how like – big pharma works in the medical community in America, like, Mm -hmm. I could have seen this being like, well, these swabs and envelopes and combs, this will be $7,000 per kit. Yeah. Because we put it all in a box for you.
1: Marty Goddard got in the way of that from the outset. And still to this day, I mean, that's why they're not any more than $5 to $25, even from like a medical supplier. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. uh, She's a hashtag hero. (laughs) Are we doing that now? Uh Uh-huh. Hashtagging it? Yeah. Relate late to the game, my friend. As always, Chuck. <laughs> Have you heard about this hashtag thing?
0: Sure. You got to go you like this with that your, your, your fingers. two fingers on each hand. <laughs> hashtag. Okay? See, I knew you'd get a funny in there. <laughs> um, so the, they were developed before DNA evidence was even around. Um, so this was back when it was just like hair and fiber, fingernails, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, still very valuable. And uh, I think one of the kits that's sort of common these days— is what's known as the Southwestern Sexual Assault Evidence Collection Kit.
1: It's like this, the gold standard.
0: I guess so. Um, and it's called Southwestern, obviously. Uh, it was in Texas. The Attorney uh, General's office there in 1998 kind of created this one. And um, that's sort of, like you said, the one that people look to or, or base theirs on.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, they they took the groundwork that Marty Goddard came up with going from to all of what you call in the, the corporate world and Buzzspeak, all the stakeholders— in the process of um, apprehending and convicting s- people um, who are um, who sexually assault other people, yeah, um, you know scumbags. You can just say monsters. Yeah, monsters. Um, a- and she figured out exactly how to s- to put this together and laid the groundwork. And then, yeah. from what I understand, in the late nineties, the Texas um, the the Texas Attorney General's office said, "Let's let's f- let's." Purifies it. Mm. Let's let's make it even better. Yeah, like using what we know, and then that's what's in use largely today. Although you're going to find different kids. There's no there's no actual standard. It's a de facto standard, right? And 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 the same point. Um, Different hospitals you go to, even in the same state, are going to follow slightly different procedures. Mm-hmm. They might use slightly different kits. Yeah. But some case, some states have said, no, this is important enough. Like, here is how you do this. Here is the law of how you conduct a rape kit examination.
0: Yeah. And so, Goddard and Vitullo, um, you know, his stamp of approval, her working hard to get these things, you know, built from the ground up, mm-hmm. uh, the work that they did together – was like really set the standard in the late 70s for this across the country just becoming just more, a more normalized way to collect evidence mm-hmm. and take it more seriously. Right. It was a
1: big, big deal. Big one, yeah. Not just literally having, you know, all of the implements you need to conduct this investigation, but just the very presence of these sexual assault evidence collection yeah. kits. The fact that they exist says law enforcement is saying, okay, yeah, this is a bigger deal than we've been treating it. Right. You want to take a break? Yeah, let's do it. We're going to take a break, everybody. I don't know if you just heard, but we'll be right back. All right, Chuck. So, the very reason that these kids exist is because sexual assault is a very unique kind of crime in that the victim, the body of the victim, is a crime scene. Yeah. Um, a walking, talking crime scene. I mean, like, if you're murdered or something and, like, your body is dumped somewhere, your, your body is still a crime scene. Sure. But you're walking around moving. You can actually contaminate the very crime scene from mm-hmm. your assault. Just by doing things that any normal human being would want to do yeah. after being sexually assaulted, For so sure. It's, it, it's in that sense a very unique kind of um, kind of crime scene, and that's what uh, sexual assault evidence collection kits are for: is to step by step, methodically, systematically collect that evidence um, and 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 preserve it so that it can later be analyzed and used in court.
0: Yeah. So these are the recommended steps mm-hmm. uh, if you've been a victim. And, like I said, there are a thousand reasons that you would not want to do any and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And we totally get that. But, uh, and I think Ed puts it in a really good way um, in this article. He said to receive the best possible care just medically for yourself and to have the best chances of collecting good evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to be within a 24-hour window, ideally. It's
1: critical. The 24-hour is critical. And then apparently up to three days, it's still viable. But after three days, most experts are like, it's yeah. not going to get anything. as far
0: right as DNA, there. which is the real, mm-hmm. you know, really what you're looking for. Right. Um, you will be uh, very upset, and you may be in literal shock. Uh, you may have had one or more panic attacks. All of these things make it very difficult to to carry out, like, logical steps. Right. But um, experts say that the first thing you want to do, obviously, is get somewhere safe as soon as you can. Um, Get away if your attacker is around and try and find someone, you know, an advocate for you, whether it's a friend Mm -hmm. or a family member Mm -hmm. uh, who can kind of be with you in in the first, you know, hours after this this horrific event has happened. Um, Go to the emergency room, even if you're not injured, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. uh, physically, like you really should go to the emergency room as soon as you can.
1: This is a big one, not just because the emergency room is where you're going to um have this kit administered. Yeah. But also because it takes such tremendous um reserve to draw on such tremendous reserves to take yourself out of the comfort and safety of your home, which yeah, is probably right. where you went to not take a shower which is another huge step too Right. and to just say i'm going to go to the emergency room yeah. and um and undergo this procedure and let a bunch of strangers poke and prod me and tell them about what just happened that's the ideal of what you're supposed to do yeah. but if you look at it in that respect that's just such a that's such a huge thing on top of what sure. just happened yeah that 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 this is required of you to to catch the person who just did it right I mean, from a from a bystander's perspective, it just makes you want to catch them even more, you know? that that's yeah. on top of the assault as well.
0: Yeah, because the, it's not like the trauma is over for you. Right. And anyway, it may never be. But um, go to the ER as soon as you can. If it's not right, if you, if you go to sleep and wake up the next day, you can go to the emergency room then. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just important that you go uh, whenever you feel like you can do so. Um, and like you said, it's... Um, Probably the least intuitive thing you could imagine to not want to shower and bathe yourself, mm-hmm. uh, but that that gets rid of a lot of evidence. So yeah. it's it's a- it's terrible. All. But they say please do not shower. Yeah, they say please,
1: <laughs> please the capital P.
0: Uh, if you um, you sh- you should. Keep the clothes you're wearing on if you can, mm-hmm. if understandably you can't or don't want to, um, save them.
1: Yeah, put them in a bag and take them to the ER with you.
0: Oh, yeah. If you have the wherewithal to uh, change clothes, and this is something that they will have you do in the hospital, have you stand over like uh, like butcher paper or maybe even a towel, mm-hmm. if you have the wherewithal to do that wherever you are. Um, whether it's at home or in a hotel or someplace, mm-hmm. put that in there too because when you're changing your clothes, that's when, you know, DNA evidence can can fall out, whether it's a hair right. or whatever. Skin
1: and, particles.
0: Right. Just collect everything you can and put it in a bag. Certainly do not wash those clothes. No. And then take those with you to the emergency room. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing, um, you should know, just because you're going to an emergency room, and even if you are tested with uh, this forensic kit uh-huh. – you're not required to file a police report ever.
1: That's a big one.
0: But especially right away. It's not like they're going to have a cop in there grilling you. Right. Um, you can file this police report whenever you want to.
1: Yeah, if you are not comfortable filing a police report right then, you can do what's called a Jane Doe or yeah. imagine a John Doe um, examination mm-hmm. where they just go through all the steps and collect all the evidence, but you never see a cop. They're, they don't call the police until after you've left. Um so that's a, that's a big one for a lot of people. Sure. The Ed, Ed points out though, in some states there is still a statute of limitations of between ten and twenty-one years. Although right. some states have removed the statute of limitations for a felony sexual assault, um, but there 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 can be a clock ticking. Right. But we're talking. 10 years right at the least right yeah, yeah for sure Um. so yeah you don't have to th- this isn't something you have to knock out that day right if you don't want to if you're not ready to yeah um, when you go to the ER for a uh, a uh, this kind of examination, you are signing up for a few hours. This is going to take a few hours. It's not a quick procedure. No. And there's something else that you should know that I really hope won't discourage you, but you should go into it knowing. It is a, um, it's an invasive procedure. Yeah. Um, they have to collect evidence from everywhere the, um, that the, the guy who did this to you or the person who did this to you was. Right. And they're also going to ask you, they're going to take an oral history and they're going to ask you, to basically recount the worst thing that's ever happened to you mm-hmm. within 24 hours after it happened. And um, then they're going to go over all of the spots with things like swabs and tweezers and combs and things like that to collect this evidence. And it's going to take a while. But you should expect to be treated very gently and with a tremendous amount of respect Um, from the people who are going to administer this examination. And I would guess to a hospital, there will be counselors available there to be there with you if you don't have like a friend or a family member there with you or anything.
0: Yeah, in rural areas are where they still Mm -hmm. need to do a lot of catch-up work Mm -hmm. um, in hospitals and things like that. But if you're in any major city, um, there will almost 100% chance that you'll have what's called a sexual assault nurse examiner Mm -hmm. on staff. Um. This is a a nurse who has received extra training, um, on how to administer this exam. Right. Uh, like we said before, like any nurse can do this and do a great job, yeah. but if you have a um S-A-N-E, a sane uh, trained person on staff, then that's who you'll be seeing. Um, and you know, like I said, in rural areas, they're just it's just tough to staff up for for things like this. So they're still yeah. doing all they can to get. Uh, grant money and stuff like that to get these people trained up.
1: Yeah, it's just a question of extra funding because if you give a hospital funding that's set aside for sane nurses, mm-hmm. you just created a new position in a hospital that wasn't there before. And yeah. You've given the nursing staff there an incentive to go further their education, invest in their education so that they can have this better job right. in the same hospital and help people as well. So it's really just a question of, of funding.
0: Yeah, That's it. You know, I mean, a lot of this stuff sadly is yeah. a question of funding.
1: Yeah, luckily there is enough agitation at the bottom up, right? That that like the 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 pocketbooks have kind of loosened up over recent years, right? But it is it is something that that, that it's, it hasn't been. It's been as the result of agitation and bad press rather right. than you know this is the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, consent is a big part of all the the entire procedure. They're mm-hmm. going to ask you basically before everything, like, hey. I have a speculum here. We need to do a vaginal exam. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that okay with you? And you can say no to any and all of this stuff. This is all up to you on how you want to proceed with this.
1: And they're going to ask for your consent for the whole procedure first. And then step by step before each step, they're going to ask for your consent as well. And they're going to explain what's coming up, like you said.
0: Yeah. And as far as the interview portion... um, This is really important stuff as far as what will eventually wind up with investigators Mm -hmm. Um, and the questions about, like, uh, were you on drugs or had you been drinking? Like, this isn't to set you up for future, you know, grilling by a prosecutor necessarily, but, like, if you – you may have been drugged. Or you may have had a drink spiked or something like that, right? So all of this is like just super, super important.
1: So they need to know. They need to say, "Hey, uh, future lab tech, test for Rufinol. right? Or something like that, uh, whatever." Um, if that, if you were in a bar and you suddenly woke up on the side of the road, right? If that, that's the kind of history they're taking for you for those reasons. Not, not you know, what were you doing in a bar by yourself? Yeah, yeah. That's not what this is. Again, right. this is not a a detective asking you or performing this exam, they might not even be aware of your case yet. Right. This is a trained nurse, or at the very least a, a registered nurse, who is performing this mm-hmm. with, one would expect a tremendous amount of, like, compassion and yeah, respectfulness.
0: absolutely. Uh, you're going to be giving blood and urine samples. This is super important to provide a DNA baseline. Um, they will pluck hairs from your scalp. They will swab your mouth um they will uh use a comb to collect uh, pubic hair um there will be you know we already mentioned a genital exam whether it's uh vaginal or anal um they really like you said they just they have to go over with a sort of a fine tooth comb everywhere where the assault uh, happened. Yeah, so know? they're
1: going to ask you awful questions like, "Were you penetrated anally? Was an object used? Did the perpetrator lick you or kiss you or anything like that?" Right. And d- depending on these questions, they're going to investigate further. But they're going to they're going to follow certain steps that, no matter what. But then, if you say yes, the guy licked my face uh, on like my left cheek. Right, there's going to be a swab on your left cheek that right. they otherwise may not have included in the normal steps.
0: Yeah, and again, this is like, I mean, I can't imagine having to relive something like this. And there, are-
1: right within like. Twenty four hours, ideally yeah. twenty four hours after it happened, like the worst thing that happened to you in your life. Let's talk about it here. Point to where it happened. Yeah, you know, f- from a stranger.
0: Well, and there are plenty of interviews that that we both read where, you know, women said it was it was reliving it, and I felt like I was being, even with a great care given, mm-hmm. like I was being assaulted all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so important to try and try and do if you can if you can get there. Um,
1: if you can't. There's no blame, there's no judgment. Sure. Like it's that's a that's a normal reaction. This is a lot to ask from somebody, yeah. but this is what it takes to to collect the evidence and preserve it in a way that you can catch the person who did this.
0: Yeah, they're going to test for uh well, it's not required actually to test for STDs, mm-hmm. but they will ask you uh about STDs. Uh, I would imagine uh, ask if you want to be tested. Sure, uh, they will offer um, emergency contraception yeah. as well, and you're not going to be charged for that procedure or the kit. Here's the thing: go, go or, on. or you shouldn't be.
1: No, you won't be. Not for the not for the 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 administration of the kit, right? Which is, that's great. That's substantial. I mean, it's a $16 kit, but this is also four or five hours of an ER nurse's, potentially a highly trained ER nurse's time. So that's great they're not charging you. But what's, what's a shame, what's shameful, I should say, is that you will still be charged for any treatment of injuries. Say right. like you, um, you were, were hit and you need to be treated with right. like stitches or whatever. You'll get a bill for stitches. Yeah. If you say, yes, I do want antiviral drugs because I'm afraid of having contracted an STD or I do want emergency contraception, they'll say, here's your prescription and the pharmacist will charge you for that. Yeah. That's not okay. As a society, we should not ask rape and sexual assault victims to pay for their own medical treatment directly coming from a a rape or a sexual assault. We should bear that burden ourselves, and then it should give us that even slighter additional incentive to go get the guy who did it. Right? You know what I mean? Nobody should pay a cent. And then even worse than that, and I'm sorry I realize I'm standing on a pretty big soapbox right now, but worse than that, Chuck, prior to the Affordable Care Act, you— could not you, you, you it was possible that you would be denied future um healthcare coverage insurance if you were the victim of a sexual assault or rape um, who went to go get treatment yeah because they treated it as a pre existing condition.
0: Unbelievable. A
1: pre existing condition was rape. Can you believe that?
0: Uh sadly I can.
1: Alright step down.
0: <laughs> um the they're gonna take this kit, they're gonna seal everything up, they're gonna store it. Um, everything is like, you know, all the clothing and everything and all the swabs are dried out and labeled. And, um, then it's sealed back in that original box as part of the, um, I guess the genius of this kit <clears throat> was that everything that comes out of it goes right back in. And mm-hmm. it is also the storage device. Right. Uh, where it's, you know, labeled and then it's all, uh, shipped to local law enforcement and then it's stored, um, quite possibly Till the end of time, sadly.
1: Uh, Yeah. Or destroyed. We'll get to
0: both of those things.
1: And ideally, and um, under just about any procedure, every single person who takes custody of that is supposed to sign the label on the outside of the box. So there's a clear chain of custody. And it goes from the ER um, nurse to the uh, cops, to the prosecutors, to the lab, to the prosecutors, and so on. But there's supposed to be a clear chain of custody so that... There's no questions about whether it was tampered with or anything.
0: I always, that's the one thing that weirds me out about any kind of blood sample I'm ever asked to give or Mm -hmm. any kind of procedure I'm ever tested for Mm -hmm. is when I see them take my blood or whatever specimen and they're writing on the little thing and it leaves the room. I don't know why my first thought is always like, well, they're going to mix that up with somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not true. (laughs) But I'm always just like, all right, well, it's out of my vision, so I don't trust it.
1: Right. I don't know what that is. It probably stems from having been switched at birth in the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only explanation.
0: All right. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk uh, after this about the, the horrific problem of rape kit backlog and destruction right after this. All right. So, we told you the history of the kit, mm-hmm. how it works, um, I, your ideal scenario for what you should do if you're ever a victim. Um, and the great ending to this story would be is, uh, and then those kits go off and they all get tested.
1: 100% conviction
0: rate. And they have great conviction rates. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and There's no the more end. rate. Right.
1: So long rape.
0: Sadly, that is not the case. Um, And this is all over the news for years now, as it should be. But, uh, well, first of all, this is what happens in the ideal scenario. They do store this. Mm -hmm. It is tested in a DNA lab. Right. Uh, And then it's checked against the CODIS, the CODIS, the Combined DNA Index System. That's the database from the FBI of DNA profiles of, of bad people. And uh, if, it, if there, a hit comes up, then you have a pretty good chance then of, of finding this person.
1: The other thing about CODIS is this. When you submit a sample, a DNA sample to CODIS from a crime like a sexual assault and there's not a hit – that sample, you know, you just go, okay, sorry, CODIS, can I have my sample back? Mm-hmm. Like that sample stays there. right? And so future detectives say they have a suspect or somebody who comes in. Yeah, yeah. And as a matter of routine, they run the suspect's DNA, which is, I think like just a matter of course now. Uh-huh. When you're charged with a crime, they swab your cheek and then run it through CODIS. That DNA may be hit. And right. all of a sudden, this thing, like you got caught robbing somebody's house, but now you're up for a rape charge from two years ago right. because your DNA was entered through this rape kit. So even if you don't get a hit, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a conviction. That's not like the rape kit was all for naught.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? For sure. Um, sadly, that's not the way it always works. Um, In the 2000s, there started to be some – there were some reporters digging around, Mm -hmm. found a story, and found out that there are tens of thousands of rape kits all over the country sitting in warehouses and sitting on shelves for years and years and years untested.
1: It, it, It was so bad, Chuck, that it became known as the backlog. Right. Yeah, that, Like some dating back to the 90s where they just, like you said, sitting in warehouses untested. And at first, when it, I think some reporters started digging this up and found out like, whoa, this is not okay. How how widespread is this? And yeah. started looking around and found it's like everywhere. And some some towns are worse than others. Like Akron, Ohio had something like uh, 3,000, I think.
0: 2,000 kits in Akron, Ohio alone.
1: So um, Detroit had, sorry, Akron, I didn't mean to put more on you than, than you had. I was confusing you with Phoenix. Phoenix had 3,000 kits. Yeah. Dallas had 4,000. Memphis has 12,000. Wow. And in Detroit Jeez. a few years back, Somebody wandered into a police storage facility and was like, "Oh, there's 11,000 untested rape kits that have just been that we just forgot we had." I- here's the problem with that. There's a couple of problems with it, but the first one, Chuck, is that every single one of those kits represents a person who found the wherewithal to yeah, drag himself or herself to the ER and go through this hours-long procedure. And suffer a second violation, basically, is, is what it feels like. Yeah. In order to give the cops the evidence that they need, mm-hmm. and the cops didn't even bother to send it to the lab. Yeah. That is a third violation.
0: Yeah. And the other problem is that this could be, like, while they're sitting in there, uh, and this often sadly is the case, is that these people commit more sexual assaults. Yeah. So, when so, they could be behind bars.
1: Yeah. In Detroit, so there was 11,000 untested kits they found. Yeah. Let's say that each one was a different perpetrator. Right. The recidivism, (laughs) that's a bonehead word. (laughs) The recidivism rate, they think, for sexual offenders um, of sexual assault— is between five and 32 percent over a 15 year period. Okay, so if those kits sat there untested for 15 years, yeah, that means that an additional 550 to 3520 rapes were carried out by the Jeez. same people wow. whose DNA was in those kits, untested. Unbelievable, yeah. So that's that's unacceptable, right? And as a result, Congress was like, Here's 150 million dollars to get rid of this backlog, that should solve it. It, it did. It helped a lot, right? Yeah. It, it got the labs going and everything like that. It's still the, not enough. The, pro- right. The problem is, is it funded labs. That's what everybody said was, well, the labs are overworked. What are you going to do? So they got more technicians. They got more labs. And the backlog got worked through in a lot of cases. In Detroit in particular um, – the prosecutor, one of the prosecutors there named Kim Worthy, who's another hashtag hero of this story, yeah. has been like, This number is going down. We're going through those kits and it's systematically and methodically. That's
0: what it takes. It takes someone or a body of people, mm-hmm. like speci- not just like throwing money at something. Right. But, like, specifically following up on the ground. Right. Okay. You
1: know? So the funding went toward the labs. Right. But that left another half of this this um, formula, which is a big one, the cops. Right. So this backlog got moved through the labs, but that doesn't mean that the cops followed up on the results. And including cases where there were hits in CODIS, later later research by reporters found that, like, a lot of these cases in the backlog that got worked through hadn't been followed up on. Yeah which is another problem.
0: Yeah, there have been some federal guidelines laid down uh, since then, specifically uh, the SAFER Act of 2013 Sexual Assault Forensic Evidence Reporting. Uh, different states have new laws in place. Um, like in New York State, it is law now that requires kits to be sent in mm-hmm. within 10 days of collection and tested by the lab within three months. Um, and they set up a timeline for processing backlog kits. Um But it's, you know, it still depends on what city you live in and what state you live in because it still happens. Um, It still happens a lot. It says here uh, in 2011 report from the National Institute of Justice, um, 18% of all unsolved rapes between 2002 and 2007 involved this kind of evidence that had never been processed. Right. 18%.
1: Yep. And so in the cop's defense here – they're 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 basically saying most of them are saying, okay, so great that was great. You guys funded the lab. We're still o- overworked and understaffed and out of
0: room. Out of room, literally, to store these kits.
1: So here is another thing, right? So the, the all this stuff went, all this focus went on the backlog. As a matter of fact, the third hashtag hero from this story is Mariska Hargitay oh, from but, Law and Order SVU. Yeah. Just from doing Law and Order SVU, her eyes were so open to this whole backlog problem that she started a foundation called the Joyful Heart Foundation that is basically dedicated to getting rid of the rape kit backlog.
0: Yeah, well, actually, that's a larger foundation, but within that is in the backlog.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's what you can do, everyone, since it is uh, National Awareness Month. First, put on something teal. <laughs> put on something teal on April 2nd. Go to in the backlog.org and click on take action. And there are a number of things you can do, but at the bottom there's a donation button and uh donate. I, I set up a monthly today. Yeah. That as far as I'm concerned, I'll donate monthly till the day I die. Sure. Which hopefully is a long
1: time. Long, long time. <laughs> Hashtag long time.
0: Yeah, but just go to in the backlog.org. If you don't have money to give, there are other things you can do under the take action banner. Right. For sure. Yeah.
1: So um the, the Back in 2016, while everybody was talking about the backlog, worrying about the backlog, doing something about the backlog, um, the Fayetteville, North Carolina chief of police held a, a press conference and said, hey, um, the city attorneys told me not to do this, but um, I feel morally a moral responsibility to tell the public this. But we destroyed about 300 untested rape kits. Yeah. Uh, in cases where the statute of limitations hadn't run out. Yeah, this isn't we,
0: sitting on a shelf. This right, isn't untested. Right. This is we threw them away.
1: They were incinerated. Yeah. That evidence is gone forever, and it was never sent off to a lab. And the statute of limitations was was not up in, in these cases. Yeah, um, And that was huge. That was a big thing. A big deal, and he he uh, committed his town, his police department, to going through all those cases, contacting the victims, and seeing if they could still build a case for all of them. They made it a priority, but it opened Pandora's box around the country, and CNN got a speculum of their own Mm -hmm. and started crawling around law enforcement agencies all over the country and saying, hey, have you guys ever done that? Have you ever destroyed uh, rape kits? What's your policy for that? Um, uh, When's the last time you did it? Were any of them still within the statute of limitations? And they found out that it happens a lot, actually. Yeah, Like a a lot. Um, Police, to make make room in evidence uh, rooms— they will destroy rape kits. Um, some of them have official policies in place. Some of them is just a detective deciding that the case isn't going anywhere, and will say, "Yeah, you can destroy that rape kit." Um, Sometimes it's a
0: misunderstanding of what the statute of limitations is.
1: Yes, but these kits have never gone on, or have never gone te- have never been tested, and never will be tested. That evidence is gone forever. Yeah, and that. Is even worse than the backlog. Everyone has concluded, and I think rightfully so.
0: Yeah, this uh, and like you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. just having this stuff entered into CODIS is huge because, Mm -hmm. let's say you do nab someone and it turns out that they, uh, it comes up with like six hits Mm -hmm. from sexual assaults over the years. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, prison sentences aside, the the value that that has for a victim to know that that person was caught and is finally going to pay for their crime, right? is, uh, can't be measured, you know.
1: Right. And, and also, if, like, if you go through this procedure and you you still don't get a hit in CODIS, but that DNA evidence is in CODIS, this, if this perpetrator gets caught down the line, you've contributed to a much stronger conviction against them and yeah. probably a bigger sentence because you've helped establish a pattern of criminal behavior. Yeah. And in fact, that's how they call it the Golden State Killer, I believe, is from this backlog of rape kits being put through and that guy popped up. I think they got him for like 12 or 13 rapes um, during his serial killer career Wow! through this backlog being moved through. And that opportunity is lost if you just destroy this evidence untested. Secondly, it also... Gives a, it ruins any opportunity for a, a wrongfully convicted person sure. who was convicted previously before DNA evidence was used. Yeah,
0: I mean that's happened a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: If you destroy this evidence, uh, it may it it removes that possibility as well. So yeah. that I think the, the Justice Department um, issued some guidelines that say uh, you should hold rape kit evidence for a minimum of fifty years. Or the statute of limitations, whichever comes first. Um, And then that's that. And everybody said, that's really great. But we really only legally have to listen to our state's guidelines, which are all over the place.
0: Yeah, I wonder if any kind of like penalty and accountability would help.
1: Well, I think CNN, like crawling up everybody's butt, is is helping sure. for sure. I think it's um, it's kind of opened some people's eyes, and that was the same thing that that brought so much attention to the backlog. So hopefully, the same attention will come to this too, and yeah. we can start funding police departments around the country to like carry the carry out the legwork on yeah. this.
0: Um, I just have one more thing. If you just, and I imagine you could do this in any given week or day now. Uh, if you just type in rape kit and hit news on your search engine, mm-hmm. uh, many articles will come up like that day of, of cases like this. Mm-hmm. Um, just today, there was one Austin Police Department um, could potentially reopen dozens of rape investigations after getting the backlog uh, results from a backlog of 20, almost 2,700 untested kits. Um, I believe they got a grant from uh, New York. I'm not sure how that happened but they got like a million bucks from a grant from Manhattan (laughs) to Austin, Texas. They're like,
1: we got a lot of money. You want some of it, Austin?
0: Maybe, but that allowed them to uh, test like almost 2,700 kits. Uh, Another story, a Tucson man was convicted of raping seven women over a 12-year period um, after police received a grant to test rape kits and it said in a changed mindset over which kits get tested and then Orlando, Florida. A man is now in jail today Uh, He fled the state and uh, found him in Puerto Rico. And uh, once again, this was a long unsolved rape case uh, that they, you know, they finally cracked open that kit, Mm -hmm. tested it, and bam, this guy comes up. Wow. And they got him in Puerto Rico.
1: Yep. Still a territory, doofus. (laughs) Uh, If you want to know more about rape kits, uh, just do what Chuck said and search it on your favorite search engines news, okay?
0: Yeah, go to backlog dot org for oh, sure. Even better, just poke around there for a while
1: and put on something teal. Yes. And in the meantime, it's time for listener mail. I don't think I have anything teal. You can borrow this sweatshirt. Okay. <laughs> it's mint, but it's awfully
0: close. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not good with my colors. Emily thinks I'm partially colorblind. I
1: think you might be too.
0: Might be. Um, so I'm going to call this uh, ASMR. We, we've been getting a lot of follow up on this oh, really? from people that. Uh, Get that tingly feeling, and people like me that throw up in their mouth a little bit. How is this? <laughs> hey guys, been listening for a long time. I'm always intrigued by the topics. I'm a crafter, and your show always keeps my mind moving so my creativity can flow in the background.
1: Nice.
0: Uh, that's, I seri- the,
1: that's the ideal situation. Crafting? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I seriously thought I was the only person to experience ASMR. The friends I've talked to about it in the past think I'm crazy. <laughs> no one around here knows anything about it. I love the feeling I get when I, uh, can activate the sensation. The best way I describe it is like for me getting goosebumps inside my skull. That's pretty good. That's a great one. I wish I knew what that felt like.
1: Yeah, I do too. You know? I envy that. I want this sensation. I don't have it. Uh, The first time I found
0: something that triggered it, I was working in a small office in a basement of a hospital. Uh, It was getting repainted and the sound of the paint roller and the people near me in the office set it off. First, I thought it was strange, but I really enjoyed it. As our office started to grow, I began wearing headphones on a regular basis and listened to the entire collection of Bob Ross painting, <laughs> which I famously—or not famously—but I go to sleep to that sometimes on Netflix. So
1: you're not—you don't have a problem with Bob Ross?
0: Oh no, I love it. Okay, uh, very soothing to me. All but right. I don't—I th- mean, I don't think he's ASMR, is he? Yeah, is he's,
1: he? Yeah, he's. I th- we didn't say that in the uh, episode. I didn't think so. Yeah, he's like a legendary ASMR trigger hmm. for some people.
0: Uh, Legendary. All right. Uh, I listened to the entire collection and found the soft sound of his voice and stiff bristles on the canvas caused the same reaction. Helped me greatly with my anxiety and general stress in the office, actually. I even created a playlist of people painting and would listen to it when I was stuck in traffic. Uh, as I'm writing, I'm listening to your episode. And yes, swallowing sounds can give me the tingles, too. Bob Ross swallows a lot when he's painting. Gulp. <laughs> and his mic is on his collar. I'm I've so never excited, noticed that. i guys. <laughs> what, the, uh, the swallowing? Yeah. No, you might have to have headphones on for that. Okay. Uh, I'm so excited, guys. You have changed my life. Thanks so much. Uh, goosebump-headed Candice uh, Tali, or Katali.
1: Is uh in there? Yeah. That's okay. a weird middle
0: name. That might be her, uh, her surname. I gotcha. got you. Uh, Mermaid, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Bearandmermaidart.com. Nice. I'm going to shout out your craft site. It's like jewelry and things. Yeah. It's not Baron Mermaid art that I could see. I gotcha. It's just a whimsical name.
1: Gotcha. Um, yeah, there's like, it's something about painting, like, slows people down. Like, when you're painting and you're talking, you're just that much calmer. No one paints fast. There's this dude, like, if, like, some some artists will paint, do Instagram live and paint. Oh, yeah? Um, and I don't know if you remember him or not, but the, um... Uh, Gregory Jacobson, he was the artist who came backstage at our Chicago show last time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he did this for years, or for a year. He had, like, some show coming, and he would just sit there and paint. And Yumi started watching him originally, and then she got me into it. And it was just him painting. Uh He wasn't even in the shot normally. just his hand painting, Uh but he'd be talking about what he's doing and maybe answering some questions. And I never really thought about it before, but it is, like, so Super laid back. Yeah. Something about painting makes you slow. It just slows you down. Well,
0: you know makes what you, you
1: swallow loudly.
0: You never hear from a painter or an artist it's like, oh, I'm in a hurry, I gotta go knock this painting out
1: real <laughs> right, quick. <it's> true. <laughs> Let me put some, some under a lens deadline.
0: flares on there. Or maybe, I don't know. I guess you could be under a deadline and
1: He be, was under a deadline if I remember correctly. He had some huge show coming up and I guess then he decided, Well, I think I'll add this extra complication to this <laughs> to this crazy <laughs> yeah. deadline. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Thanks a lot, Candice. Uh, uh. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Although, who's on Facebook anymore? Am I right? Right. You can join us on Instagram at SYSK Podcast. Uh, you can go to our website, Um, You can go to my website, TheJoshClarkWay.com. And you can send us a good old-fashioned email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com.